screen um, as well. Before I forget, if I pray for you later today, 30 minutes from now, um, and it's just a lot of coffee, uh, someone moved my toothbrush out of the bathroom in there. So I normally finish my coffee uh, like at 8, 8.30 up here, and then I brush my teeth because I'm going to pray for people. And so, anyway, um, for the month of January, our happy, happy 2024, we're here, we made it another year. Um, we're going to work through the apostolic prayer. So by an apostolic prayer, I just mean a prayer, an apostle um, prayed that's been left for us. So for example, First Thessalonians 3, Paul's writing, and he says, May our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone, just as we do for you. May he make your hearts blameless in holiness before our Lord and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Amen. All right, so that's a prayer from an apostle, an apostolic Prayer. So uh, Paul and Timothy and Sylvanus, who apparently co-wrote this letter, um, they're asking the Lord for specific things that God would make a way for them to get there. Right. So you Christians, people who, who pray, God, we ask you for traveling mercies. It's biblical. Right. That's what Paul's doing, um, that they would increase in love. Um, and that they would be blameless in holiness. He's at, like, this is the prayer. And the reason, like, what's driving Paul's prayer for that blameless in holiness is what? The coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints, right? His return, his parousia, the day of the Lord. God, make them holy and blameless because the day is coming when Jesus will split the sky with fire and angels. And I want them to be able to stand before him blameless on that day. Right, that's what that's that's the prayer. It's just a simple prayer that's been left uh, for us. This faith Jude three handed down. So we're going to work through these for the next um, couple Sundays to help us pray. And and so as we do, as we work through these different prayers, um, one reason I want to do that is so that we get a flavor of what mattered to both Jesus and the early Jesus movement, because all of their prayers, they all sound the same. You know what I mean? Like they all have this same kind of, hey, you know, day of the Lord, blameless holiness. All of them um, are this way. So every single prayer will be an ask for God to strengthen his people with power. Right. Ephesians one. Right. Um, So they can stay on the path and live in light of the coming day of the Lord. Every single apostolic prayer um, is like this from the Lord's prayer in the Gospels. Right Um, to John's prayers in Revelation, they're all singing that same song. The day is coming. God help them, strengthen them, give them the spirit to stay um, on the path. Okay, and we pray for all kinds of things. That's good. Right. Philippians four. pray about everything. Um, But as disciples of Jesus, we want our emphasis in prayer to to match his right for. For the most part. And the prayers of the apostles help us do that. So that's the first reason. I just want us to kind of have the same flavor of prayer um, that they had. Um, And my second hope is for those of us who aren't natural prayers. Okay? So if you're just not a natural prayer, raise your hand. All of you should raise your hands. Dang it. No one in here is good at it. Right? 
Right. So for for us who aren't natural prayers, uh, the apostolic prayers and then there's I mean, obviously there's other prayers. Uh, they really function as a cheat sheet. If you're not naturally good at math, cheat sheet is helpful. If you're not naturally good at prayer, cheat sheet is helpful, okay? Because I think when we talk about prayer and, and any, I don't know, anything spiritual in general, people are just like, oh, I don't know if I can do that, right? Like at our home group tonight, when it's time to pray, who's going to be like, oh, and just feel nervous for no reason? Yeah, okay, like... That's that's the deal. So I, I in, in having these in our guts and our hearts and, and, and minds and on paper, you don't have to feel pressure to make up prayers. God's already given us um, some prayers. So we want to pray with honesty and sincerity, led by the spirit from our heart. Like, that's awesome. I'm all for that. But it's helpful as a naturally not good prayer to have these prayers that have been handed down to us on paper. Translated into English so that we can pray and just bring these things to God. So at home, a home group, prayer meeting or Sunday morning, and you feel like, oh, I can't participate in prayer. I can't bring anything of value to the prayer meeting or the prayer moment or whatever. What if I say something dumb looking at you, Ryan? Because um, you're the guy, right? Like you're the guy. It's time to pray. And Ryan starts sweating. Right? <laughs> Lots of people do it. You're just my favorite example. Um, I think all of these fears, they can be alleviated by just taking God's words that are already there for us and just praying those, right? And if you like, you know what I mean? Like, you pray like, oh, I hope that was theologically correct or whatever. Hey, if it was this, it's fine, right? You're, um, you're good. So just quickly to help you do that, if you, if you don't have um, our, our church app, or it's on our website too, but on the app, if you click on discipleship, and then click on prayer guide. Um, we have just uh, we have lots of lists of prayers. We have a, a document on there called the Apostolic Prayers. And you're like, I don't know what to pray. Click on that and pray that. Okay, that'll take you ten minutes, and um, you'll start in this dialogue with God. That we don't want to be tied to paper forever, but it's helpful. Okay. All right, so before we actually get into the apostolic prayers today, I just want to answer why. Why Why do churches, why do believers, why do disciples need to pray? And I think to answer that question, it's helpful to think about our mission. Okay, so the mission of Christian Life Church, hanging in our lobby and our, on our website, on, on the screens now, is to follow Jesus. That's a good one. That's a good goal, good aim. Um, in worship and discipleship and evangelism. So with worship... We want to, Andrea, we just went through all of this an hour ago. Callie, yeah, you're bored of this now. Um, we, this is our membership class. We, we want to pledge total um, loyalty and fidelity to God in little things that no one sees, right? God, God's worthy of that. And in big things like persecution and martyrdom, worship says, no, I'm loyal to you above all of these things. With, with discipleship, I want to stay on the narrow path that leads to life. And I want to encourage you on the narrow path that leads to life. And you want to stay on the narrow path that leads to life. And you want to encourage me, right? Discipleship and discipling. And evangelism, I want to be clear and I want to be um, bold and sharing with people that because Jesus died for our sins, we can live forever, right? There's a cross before the day. I, that worship, discipleship, evangelism, I want to be clear and bold in that. So I'm just going to do that now. If you're here today and you do not know that Jesus died for your sins, that through repentance and trust in that cross, you can live forever, 
Okay? On the day of the Lord, you can be raised from the dead to eternal life. No more crying, no more tears, no more pain. Just life and joy and peace and well-aged wine and fatty meats. Okay? Like, this is where history's going, and you can get in on that. So if you have questions, what does it mean to put my trust in the cross? What does it mean to put my faith in the resurrection of Jesus for my resurrection? Can the members of Christian Life Church raise your hand? These people, they can tell you about those things, or you can talk to me or any of our other elders, okay? But that's our mission, worship, discipleship, and evangelism. So, if that's what I want to do, that's what you want to do as members, why do these things either seem sometimes non-existent or just really puny and powerless? Anyone feel that? (laughs) I want to be an evangelist. And then the opportunity comes, and you're like, Just me? You guys are all nailing evangelism? Awesome! That's why it's full in here. There went the televisions. Um, No, so the reason that those things either don't happen or just feel puny when, when they're trying to happen, the reason is because those things, worship, discipleship, evangelism, they require something outside of ourselves to persevere in. They require something outside of ourselves to be faithful in. And so to persevere in worship, discipleship, evangelism, it's dependent on God's grace and the gift of the Spirit. Okay? Like, this is how these things happen. We're not sufficient in ourselves to to carry out our mission faithfully. Therefore, we have to have the Spirit of God. We have to have the grace of God to do these things, right? Cars need gas to run. There's my wife. There you are. You got to put... Actually, I'm the one who's, who's run out of gas multiple times. But you get in the car after your wife and it's like, oh, three miles to empty. You know what I'm talking about. Cars need gas to run and churches need grace. We need the spirit for, for mission, right? We need the spirit of God working in us to worship God as we ought to. We need the Spirit of God working in us to, to be disciples and disciple each other as we ought to. Mission, we, evangelism, we need the Spirit of God to help us do these things, right? We can build, right, Elijah, build the altar, you know, get the offering. But who has to burn it up? Fire from heaven, right? Like, this is, like Elijah does all this work, but until God says, boom... Like, there's, there's nothing doing, okay? So you have to have grace. And this reality is just assumed by the apostles, okay? So just two examples um, quickly. Look at how Paul and, and John kind of bookend their letters, all right? They start with prayers for grace. They write the letter, and they end with prayers for grace. So Romans 1, 7, he says, To all you believers in Rome, loved by God, summoned to a holy life, to all of you, grace, And peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. So that's Romans 1. And then he ends with a prayer for grace. Romans 16. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. So why does Paul uh, open and close his letters with prayers for grace? Because grace is necessary to walk out the things between chapter 1 and chapter 16, right? Paul is just praying and urging the church in, in light of the day of the Lord to walk out their calling of worship, discipleship, and evangelism. And Paul knows those things aren't going to get done outside of the grace of God coming on the people and helping them do it. Does that make sense? Easy. John, uh, the same thing. Revelation chapter 1 to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from him who was and is and is to come. Revelation 22, the closing. Amen, come Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. Why does John open and close with a prayer for grace? 
Because you don't endure the, the messianic woes described in Revelation without the grace and spirit of God. You, you don't do it, right? What's the call in Revelation the whole way through? Overcome, overcome, overcome. How do you do that? Because you're awesome? No. If that's what you think, no. <laughs> okay? They overcome by grace, by the Spirit's power. And so in hopes that they'll have the grace necessary, John just prays for it. He asks grace to you. People, okay. So, if this is the model for the apostles that we need grace, we need the Spirit to help us do these things. It should be the model um, for us, okay? To be faithful in our calling, we need the Spirit. And so, in order to get the Spirit, in order to get um, the grace that God gives, God just tells us to ask. Just tells us to ask. Not complicated, not hard. So, Jesus, um, last instructions before he ascends. To the Father's right hand, he tells them, Acts chapter 1, verse 4, he says, You guys have been, you know, been teaching him about the kingdom of God for 40 days. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. And they understand wait to mean prayer, because verse 14 says they go and start praying. Wait, go pray, for the gift, for the grace, for the spirit that my Father promised, which you heard me speak about, for John baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Spirit, right? John was drenching people in water. I'm going to drench you um, with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him. They said, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Are you doing the hopes of the prophets now? And Jesus says, it's not for you to know the time or the dates for those things that the Father has set. He's going to do it. Just, you got, I'm not telling you when. Um, verse 8, but in the meantime, between now and the hopes of the prophets coming true, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And what do they need power for? What do they need the Holy Spirit for? What do they need grace from the Father for? To be my witnesses. Right? You guys are going to walk faithfully in your calling, which we can break it, worship, discipleship, evangelism. And so you need power from the Father, from the Spirit, to do this in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So he tells them, you guys need grace, you need the Spirit, and so to get it, you've got to go pray. Go wait for the, the promise um, of the Father. So what do they do? So obedient disciples of Jesus, Acts chapter 2, they get together, they pray, the Spirit comes, and then what? Peter stands up and he preaches the cross before the day, and he's faithful in his calling. Why? Because grace was given to him through prayer, right? It didn't come on them randomly. Though God obviously does that, right? I'm not going to box God in here and say he's not going to do stuff unless we pray. Obviously, he does all of this stuff. Okay? But the pattern is, the model from the apostles, if you need grace, you need the Spirit, and you need to ask. And so this is what they do, and it leads to um, mission. So I just want to quickly just break down the apostles praying for uh, grace for worship, grace for discipleship, grace for evangelism. So first, for worship, we need we need grace to pledge love and trust and loyalty to God, no matter what. Okay, we absolutely have to have grace. So Hebrews chapter four, um, he says, since we have, I don't know who wrote this, since we have a, a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, right? Jesus has ascended; he's doing his priestly. Um, work there, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to the faith, right? 
to, to our, our loyalty, our fidelity to God and trust in the covenants. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess because we've got to hold on to that in the midst of all, you know, all the craziness. And your craziness is different than theirs and, and all, all over the board. We've got to hold firmly to that. And so how does the author propose that, hey, here's how you do that, right? What's his mechanism for obtaining the grace necessary to stand firm in uh, loyalty to Jesus? Verse 16, he tells us, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. Why? Why are we going there? So that we may receive mercy and find grace for what? To help us in our time of need, right? Like you're aiming your heart to worship the Lord and and competing loyalties come in, right? Things want to drag you this way or that way. And you're like, no, I want to I want to be loyal to him above everything else. And so the author of Hebrews says, "Okay, so ask for it. Praise God. I want to be faithful to you above all these other things. So the author of Hebrews go to the throne of grace and you'll find grace to help you in your time of need, right? Does that make sense? To, to, we, we, we need divine aid, guys. We need grace. We need power to hold fast in our worship of God alone. And we receive this grace by, through the blood of, of Jesus, approaching the throne of God where we receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And I know there are saints all over the room who can attest to this. Like, oh yeah, loyalty was going this way and the Lord came in in power when I asked. Okay, and I was able to stand firm um, in this way. Okay, worship, discipleship, same same way. Okay, does discipleship require grace? Anyone in here been following Jesus for more than five minutes? Been like, this is harder than I thought it would be. Right? You absolutely have to have grace to stay um, on, on the narrow path. So Titus 2, let's see if, how they talk about it. He says, for the grace of God gift of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So I think it's a reference to the whole work of, of, of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, ascension, the whole bit. It's a, it, it brings salvation has appeared to all men. It, this grace of God that's given through Jesus' work, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Because saying no to ungodliness is hard sometimes. Not all the time. Sometimes ungodliness is so uh, absurd and stupid. You're just like, I would never do that, but sometimes ungodliness is like appealing, right? Like, oh, that could be okay. But the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness, to say no to worldly passions, and then to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives. With, that is discipleship. What is discipleship? No to ungodliness, worldly passions, self-controlled, upright, godly lives. Okay? In this present age, so now, the grace of God is teaching us how to live now, while we wait for what? What are we setting our hopes on? What's the aim of our discipleship? Why are we saying no to ungodliness and worldly passions? Why are we living self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age? Because of the blessed hope. Because Jesus is coming. Right? Because the day of the Lord is coming. And so the grace of God is teaching us how to stay on the path between now and then. The blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, obvious, right? Grace is necessary to say no to ungodliness. If you don't think so, try to do it. Right? It's necessary to be self-controlled. If you don't think so, try to do it. It's necessary to be godly. It's necessary to walk the narrow path as we wait for the blessed hope. There is no other way. Okay? 
And I'm a big believer uh, like in, in just normal human willpower. Okay, I think humans can do incredible things just by gritting their teeth like they always do. But man, to actually love Jesus and actually stay on the path in junior high, in high school, in college, as an adult, guys, it takes the Spirit of God. And, and, and <laughs> kind of funny, like even whether you know it or not, like that's what's happening, right? So if you are on the path and you are walking as a disciple, even though you're not like consciously asking for the Spirit, that's still what's happening. God is still the one uh, helping you do all of these things. There's no other way, okay? So how do we get the, 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 the grace? How do we receive it? Let's ask Paul, Philippians 1. He says, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. And so, so my prayer is that you would be pure and blameless, right? Walking faithfully along the narrow path for what? For the day. Paul's praying. <laughs> you guys, God to be pure and blameless for the day, for the return of Jesus, the day of the Messiah, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus, the Messiah, to the glory and praise of God. So Paul prays for their discipleship, their pure and blameless walk, that they would be filled with the fruit of righteousness before the day of the Lord comes. And Paul knows how that, that's how it works. That's why he's praying, because he knows, like, you know what I mean? Like, you want to help somebody, but you can't do it for them, Right? Like, at the end of the day, they have to do the thing. Paul can't step into their lives and be like, I'll do this for you. Like, no, you guys actually have to do this. So Paul's means, Paul's, Paul's uh, plan, Paul's strategy is to pray, to ask God, God, you, by your spirit, come on them, help them be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness. Okay, so elders, just practically, this is how we should pray for our members. Okay. This is how we should pray for our members. We, we should bring the scripture before God and pray, God, help them. Send the spirit to them. Help them walk as disciples. They got this difficult family situation, this difficult job situation, this difficult relational situation. All these things, God, send the spirit to them. Help them. Give them power and grace to walk the narrow path in light of this. And members, this is how you should pray for your elders too. Okay? This is this is this is the deal. Okay. Lastly, um, evangelism works the same way. Okay, evangelism is is bearing witness to the king and the kingdom through our words. Okay, there's no evangelism without words. So don't don't say stupid things. Okay, like <laughs> it is words. Okay. Um. So through the word. Paul prays, Romans 15. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you, right, grace you, gift you, that together you, y'all, may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So for, for this group in, in Rome to effectively glorify God in an, in an absolutely pagan culture, which again, we have no reference point for, right? This, this place is just always awesome. Um, for them to glorify God in a pagan culture, they need grace. So Paul prays, may God grant you, may God give you 
That you with one voice glorify God. So we need grace for our mouths to be open and for the gospel to come through in power, right? Like that's kind of Paul's thing. I didn't come to you with eloquent speech, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. So Colossians 4, another, another apostolic prayer says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us. So Paul's got a, you know, kind of a missionary band, missionary team, and he wants them to pray that God may open a door for the word. Give us an opportunity to say what we need to say about the cross, about the day, right? Give us an opportunity for those things to declare the mystery of the Messiah that I might make it clear how I ought to speak. So for the word to go out effectively and not put people to sleep, which I, you know, I understand. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. For the word to go forth effectively and clearly, Paul understands we got to have grace. So you guys pray for us that God might open a door and that the word might go out clearly. It's not it's simple, right? It's just, we, need, we need help to speak. And that, so the grace comes, the spirit comes through the prayers of the saints. Right? The y'all there. So... Just like practically, like we don't pray um, for, the, we, right? We pray before the sermon. Joe, how long has that been a thing? Forever? I don't, I don't know. But I remember like fourth grade coming to church, um, and there, you guys were praying for Pastor Mark. Like that's just always been. So we don't do that for fun, you know. Like we don't, we don't pray for the for the person um, speaking for fun. If that's your thing, cool, but we don't do that for fun. We don't pray for our, bring our kids up uh, and pray for their classes for fun. Though that is fun, right? That's like, that's fun. We all enjoy that, especially when they're doing the diving board. Or if you ever played lemmings, they do the lemmings off the, that's all fun. But that's not why we, we pray for them. We don't pray for our missionaries and other churches in town every Sunday um, for fun. We, we pray because we know that prayer is God's means for dispensing grace. Amen. And grace is necessary for these things. Yeah. That, like, that's the why, all right? And it's not just evangelistic words that require grace, that require the Spirit to, to be you know, effective or whatever. Our evangelistic deeds require these things, okay? Like... <clears throat> Uh, never mind. Yeah, never mind. Well, I'll tell you. Um, so, so I, you know, I, um, uh, in our, our, our church, we're, 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 um, charismatic. We believe that the gifts of the spirit are, are for today and that all the stuff that Jesus and the apostles are dealing with, with demons and all the stuff, we think that all is happening now. It's not, they didn't, the demons didn't peace out in the first century. Okay. Like, <laughs> Um, and so we, we have a situation and I, I've like, I'm on, I'm O for three trying to cast out a demon O for three. Um, so maybe not my like gift or whatever, but you understand in those kinds of moments where you're, you're trying to proclaim the gospel and, and do the things that Jesus called the disciples to do that. If the spirit doesn't come on you in power, you're just like, just like a, a wet noodle. And, and not, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I'm over 3. Same demon or demons, I don't know. 
I need the Spirit of God to come, right? And so, like, Jesus uh, and, and I don't remember which gospel. He's like, hey, the disciples, they're casting out demons. They get to one, uh, and they're like, we couldn't do it. And they come back to Jesus, and he said, hey, this one comes out by prayer and fasting. Right? Like, like there's a relation. Anyway, sorry. So, we need the Spirit, we need grace to do our deeds of evangelism, too. So listen to how the apostles pray. Acts chapter 4. Um, and now, Lord... So there... Right, look upon their threats and grant to your servants, grace to your servants, give to your servants to do what? To continue to speak your word with all boldness, right? We've been working through that. While you stretch out your hand to heal... And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So not just that we can speak the word clearly, but that deeds, right, like actions that, that adorn that, those words come to pass. Well, signs and wonders are performed through Jesus. And when they had prayed, verse 31, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Same crew from Acts 2. And they continued to speak the word of God with boldness and with great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and much grace, right? Because they asked for it was on them all. So we need the Spirit to make the gospel clear to people, right? And we have to ask for it. And we need the Spirit to get this kind of stuff done too. For the Word to not just come with words, but also in power. And so the model that's been left for us, right? They didn't leave us a manual. They just kind of told us their story and we're trying to figure it, right, figure it out. Is to pray. It's to ask. Okay? Like, it's to ask. The equation um, here is not hard, right? It's like Algebra 2, or for me, pre-algebra. Start putting those letters in there with the numbers, and things get weird. The equation, you know, grace is only received by prayer, and God gives grace to those that ask. So just to, uh, I just, I think that um, you just need to know that this is for everyone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we read stuff that uh, the apostles said and did, and they're like, you know, put them up here. But Acts, Acts three, what do they say about them? Like. Those are the uneducated guys. Those are the those are the the hicks from Galilee, right? Like they here again, they talk funny, right? They have an accent. Um, but Acts three says that those are the uneducated men, but we know they've been with Jesus. Yeah. And then Acts three, we get the silver and gold have we none, but what we do have we give to you. Rise up and walk. The miracle happens. And then Peter says, oh, you guys saw that miracle. The guy that did that healed this man, not us, the guy that healed this man, he's seated at the Father's right hand, and he's going to sit there until the time of the restoration of all things comes, which, which, in, which includes the, the removal of wickedness from the earth. So therefore, repent and turn. Uneducated men from Galilee, right? Normal dudes. 
And and the reason I want to emphasize that is because you're going to hear this and you're like, oh, wow, those guys, anyone can ask, right? Anyone can ask. Anyone can ask. Little kids understand this, right? They can ask, right? And if you're a really uh, a kid who really trusts your father, you don't ask. So my parents' fridge is my example for, for that. I know they want to give me good gifts, so I just go take it. Grace is received by prayer. God gives to those who ask. Luke 11, last passage here. So Jesus is teaching them how to pray. This is right um, before the Lord's Prayer. Oh, hold up. I wanted to uh, put this in here, and then I remembered I forgot to get towels for the baptism. And then I forgot to... They trusted me with a child. Um, yeah. Well, here, let me let me read James 4, and then we'll read um, Jesus here. Um, oh, this wasn't as good as I thought it was. <laughs> It's, it, it's, a, it's just that you don't have because you don't ask. I thought there was more um, there. But it is true. You have not because you ask not. All right. So Luke 11, you know, sometimes a scripture hits you with power and then you share it. I'm like, oh, that's fine. Okay. Luke 11. So he says, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. These are these are. You don't care. Present active participles. So they communicate ongoing function. Keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Keep on seeking. And then he says this. Which of your fathers, if your son asks you for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, which he does, right? He, he do be asking for eggs. We'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more? Will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more? Anyone can ask. Anyone can ask. And God, like, has this is how he set it up to work for lots of reasons. But one of which is like he actually, and I know this might be cringe or whatever. He actually wants a relationship with you. Actually wants to talk. And, and this is what asking is about. God actually wants us to talk to him and ask, and he will give the Holy Spirit. So, Brody, could you come help us out, man? So, th- I just want to clarify before we hop into the apostolic prayers and, and hop into our, our prayer week that this is what our meetings are about. Like, this is why we're gathering. We need grace to walk out our calling, and God gives it through prayer. So, practically, come on Sunday, right? And Joe, I'm, I'm like you, Joe. I, every time I get up here, I'm still shocked. Like, oh, they're still here. <laughs> Another Sunday came and, and um, people showed up. So come on Sunday, ready to pray from the heart. Okay? And ready uh, as we sing and, and hear the gospel and come to the table. Right? Come Sunday, and when it's time to pray, believe the scripture. 
Believe what God said that if we ask, he will, he will do it. So whether that's our corporate um, prayer time for mission or another church that we do every week, whether that's the elder time uh, or the, the prayer and ministry time, like let's like actually pray. The football game will be there later. Like we can pray now and give ourselves to it. Practically see if you can make uh, your schedule work. I know like, that's why we have a couple opportunities to pray that week. If you can attend one or all of those prayer meetings, let's do it. Let's give ourselves to prayer. Um, and then last thing in our home groups, let's let's try to leave more room to pray this way. OK, let's try to leave uh, more more room to take the, the apostolic prayers to start. Right. And start praying into those things for each other, for our church, for um, our community. OK, so in light of the Lord's return, which is what all the prayers are aimed at, this is what we'll see. We gather we cry out for grace to carry out um, our mission. Cool? All right. Um, so, as part of our mission, uh, what Jesus has called us to do at this time, in obedience to Jesus' commission to make disciples and baptize them, uh, we're going to baptize Andrea uh, Ochoa Odette today. So if I can have um, the elders come up here. Andrea, if you want to go ahead and step in.